wow, everything is kind of rocked here all of a sudden by something we can't even see. And you start asking yourself, what can we really trust in? Welcome to the Search in Your City podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Larson, and today we're talking with my friend John Strain from out in Boise, Idaho. And John, you told me a long time ago that's Boise with an S, not with a Z, so I think I got that right. And uh, John's John's an old buddy from... Gosh, years and, and years ago, we, we met and uh, just always appreciated your friendship. And, and John, uh, you've been with Search for a long time out there in, in Idaho and, and want to invite you to join us on the podcast. And thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, I've been on for 19 years. And, and uh, I think I try to remember what year we met. It was you were coming to do it through doing a concert, I think, and uh, uh, when you were playing country music. So, in another lifetime ago, another lifetime That's ago. That's right. But uh, well, so John, how is how is all of what's going on in our country right now affecting your city of Boise and and you and Pam? Just just your life. What's going on out there? Well, we're we're like most people. We're under what I call house arrest, and uh, and I kind of take that from the Apostle Paul <laughs> being in jail. It's sort of like, but. We have a little more liberty here, Blaine, just being in, even though we're bunkered down in our little private Idaho, we we have a lot of place to move around and get into the foothills or walk along the river. It's people biking and they're, you know, doing a lot of stuff, fishing, golfing. I think as long as we're keeping our social distancing, we're in good shape. And so in some ways, we're not suffering too horribly. There's just a lot of ambiguity about the future and and maybe feeling some threats and losses, but I don't know if anything real has hit us yet. So uh, we're not too freaked out, but I think there's some ambiguous stress in us about, you know, the longer range. So, yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling that as I've talked to a number of our staff just on this podcast and, and just in my own conversations and that, ambiguity, John, I'm just wondering if it's bringing out conversations or themes or uh, uh, topics as you've been talking to people that you run with out there in Boise. Um, Anything interesting that you'd share that's come up recently? Yeah, you know, uh, I think uh, one of the things I've noticed that is, you know, there's this question, we've had a lot of confidences being shaken, and so, you know, for one, we've been chased into our houses by a little, uh, you know, microbe that we can't even see, a little terrorist rogue microbe. And, and so we have that side, and, and this thing has brought the most powerful economy in the world, uh, put it on its head, <laughs> and, and the history of the world. And uh, that's just mind-boggling to me. But, but I think... Uh, you know, and then about the same time, about several days in, in fact, it was on my birthday, we had a 6.5 earthquake. And as I was kind of feeling that rumble underneath me and afterwards I went, my goodness, we just had an earthquake. And I thought, you know, how interesting that we're more threatened by the microbe than we are by the earthquake. 
because it at least passed, even though we had 230 aftershocks. And, uh, but it was just uh, amazing to think of the contrast that we're kind of getting hit on both ends. And, um, but, you know, this little, this little terrorist microbe is what's scaring us. And, it, but I think what happens is, uh, you know, money, our money is a concern, you know, retirement accounts, uh, investments, you know, we're a little concerned about our health and we're all trying to stay on the upside there. Jobs, some, a lot of people are working from home, but, um, and then mobility taken away. That's, that's kind of a weird thing. And, um, so I think, I think you stop and you go, wow, everything is kind of rocked here all of a sudden by something we can't even see. And you start asking yourself, what can we really trust in? And, um, and I, but that also is kind of an exciting thing to me because we uniquely have some resources to be optimists, you know, in the sufferings and trials. And I think, uh, somebody, I think Tim Keller heard him say we, we can have an optimistic view of suffering and trials. And I, I think that's really true, even under house arrest. And sometimes great opportunities happen. And we're seeing that already. Even one conversation that came up was uh, through a friend of mine. His, he was interacting with a family member in Seattle who's a little bit more of a, a what we would call a progressive in his viewpoint. And he quoted uh, Bill Gates. And it was an interesting quote. So anyway, they were having this our very pleasant exchange, but nibbling into some significant questions. And um, and this uh, quote that his uncle shared was, the coronavirus is sent, this is Gates quoting, the coronavirus is sent to remind us of the important lessons that we seem to have forgotten. And it's up to us if we will learn them or not. And I, I looked at that phrase and I, I uh, was kind of coaching my friend up on a response. And I just said, you know, I click on is sent. Is, doesn't that imply somebody is doing the sending? And for somebody who of the progressive, a little more secular progressive persuasion, I don't know what Bill Gates is exactly, maybe an agnostic, but that says something. And, and so it raises a question a bigger question about God and what's God doing in all this. So, so anyway, I think uh, there, there are emotional questions of worry, anxiety kind of things and losses and isolation and all this stuff going on. But underneath it are some really big questions. It's kind of like the earthquake. <laughs> it's kind of rolling <laughs> through, you know, and we're feeling the wave and the, and the ceilings crack a little bit more than in ways you weren't expecting. So anyway, so that's kind of what's going on. Well, those are great insights, John, and it just reminds us that we've got to trust in something, all of us, no matter what we believe. And now's the time when those kind of things just come out and you find out, if you didn't know before, what what you really trust in. And I've been asking everyone that's on this podcast to share a little thought from the scripture, what's... What's encouraging you right now? What's meaningful to you right now? And as we go into the Easter weekend, especially, I think it's even more meaningful. And so I'd ask you that question, John. What's what's meaningful to you from the Scripture right now? You know, um, when this thing hit, I was coming off a 
kind of a tiresome season. We had planned to travel abroad uh, during spring break and be gone for several days. We got shut down on that, and then we got shut down again on spring break. And I just felt like I need a break. And so we just bunkered down and kind of imagined that my house was a monastery. And I felt like the book of Philippians, I kept hearing that quoted, and I was already thinking about it a lot. And how, and I thought, you know what? That just seems like a really good book because here's uh, Paul under house arrest. And I thought, I'm under house arrest now. And he is chained to a Roman soldier and he's writing a letter, a thank you letter to uh, some people that sent some resources to help pay his rent and for him to eat because Roman soldiers or Roman uh, government would not pay for his imprisonment. And, uh, but he had some interesting perspective. He says, you know, my imprisonment um, has turned out for the greater, you know, in terms of my message getting out. And he was excited about that and optimistic. And it's also Philippians is known as a book of joy and a lot of refrain of joy and rejoice and a, really a, somebody who's living beyond, you know, his circumstances. But the thing that captures me, Blaine, is – and really what I want to uh, is this is there's like 22 imperative verbs in this book. And one of them. Okay. For those like of us, who, those of us who do don't remember grammar. <laughs> <laughs> imperative mean is it's a command and it's, and it's an action. It's an action word, which also implies that it's probably not what we're naturally prone to do. If you, if he needs to put a command out. And so the, the one command that really caught me was have this attitude or have this mind in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to describe who Jesus is, who was God, who took on a man suit, emptied himself of his godlike privileges and, and became like us and humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, he says. And then out of that, it says that God, after his resurrection, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, and every knee should bow to him. And it's an extremely lofty claim. And uh, so my thought was, and this is when I became a Christ follower, one of the things that I think the major contribution was watching, reading about, and watching other people who paid a price for their faith. And I saw something robust about the person of Jesus in that, that drew me. And, uh, and, and this text captures it, but he says, have this mind, have this attitude. And then a little bit later, you know, dealing with a lot of uh, stress things, he, uh, he, he says in chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that phrase, Christ Jesus, that keeps coming up, it's 30-something times, 37 times, I think, um, Christ shows up. But it's a reference to him being the eternal king. And it's rooted deeply in the Old Testament, the book of Daniel. It's what they, when Jesus was put on trial— he wasn't put on trial for anything he did, but for who he claimed to be. And when he was put under oath, he quoted 
Daniel 7, 13 and 14, and they had been trying to get him to confess to stuff. And as soon as he quoted that verse, they said, we got him. He's claiming to be the king. He's claiming, you know, uh, to be the eternal ruler. We have, you know, the case is done here. Let's send him to Pilate. Send him to, you know, to the Romans now. And uh, so there's no question that about his claim. And then, so we put that with uh, another established fact is death on the cross and, his, and, and then the resurrection being the best explanation. And you got some message there. But, but Paul's kind of coming back and just saying, he is so big, I can come to him and drop all my anxiety on him and everything. And be honest with him and let my request be made, made known and peace will come. And then, and then I love verse 8 because there's another imperative in there. He's and it's this is a popular verse. Finally, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. And that verb dwell is the one that captures me again. Um, so it's a really uh that's where my head has been. I interesting ran into this New York Times article. Uh, about these two Stanford researchers who, and they put this article in the paper about uh, changing the mindset in stressful times and making stress work for you. And that's what caught my attention. And they were simply just saying, hey, acknowledge it, own it, use it. And, um, but so they've done a fair bit of research and they said it's not really the the type or amount of stress that determines its impact, they said instead it's our mindset about it that matters. And I, I, that made me sit up even more. But anyway, they just basically went through and established uh, from empirical research what Paul is saying here, except the only thing they didn't have going for him in the article is that uh, where in verse 4 he says the Lord is near. And and so it's kind of like, yeah, there's some good tactics, uh, you know, for dealing with stress here. And they discovered something really significant. But um, but the but the uh, expression of that, you know, well, who do you take that to? And we have somebody really powerful that we can take all these things to not just uh, an eternal king that is risen, but one who sits on a throne now. And that he's going to receive us, even if I do die. Paul says to live as Christ and die is gain. <laughs> you just can't beat that. So these things are really rolling around in my head and my heart. And it's the place I want to direct people to and invite them. Hey, take the next step towards discovering and experiencing this one who claims to be the eternal king. And so that's the essence of it. And there's no better time to consider these things than right now. There's never a better time than the present moment, but not only as we're going through this crisis right now, but we're heading into Easter and we're talking about this God that listens to us and that cares. And we know that because he came to earth and was a man and lived among us. And this coming up weekend, we're celebrating his death and more importantly maybe his his resurrection which is the proof that it all worked and so john it's a great reminder to us and 
Maybe it's not a reminder for some that are listening to. Maybe it's new, and we hope it'd be encouraging to you as well if you're in that category. So, John, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. This was just fun to have you with me. Thanks, Blaine. It's a privilege to be here. Well, and I want to thank everyone who's listening right now for listening to the Search in Your City podcast. If you like this, please subscribe to our feed, share this with your friends. If you have a question, thought, comment, anything like that, send us an email, podcast at searchnational.org. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.